Hi, and welcome to episode 211 of No Crying in Baseball, the 1995 episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. 1995. Yeah. I'm feeling a little dated. Yeah, okay. Um. Well, I would, I would date you in a second, but you're, you're spoken for. <laughs> there we go. So let me just say, we're recording on Halloween, and the World Series in 1995 as a Clevelander is the scariest thing I could think oh. of. Um, can I tell you specifically Please. what's happening? Yeah. So um, longtime listeners of the show will know that I have frequently said, especially in the early days, I love a lot of the guys on the Atlanta team, but I hate the team as a whole because I hold a grudge. That grudge is otherwise known as the World Series 1995 when frickin' David Justice, who at the time was married to Halle Berry, who went to my high school in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. Wait, Halle Berry went to your high school? Yes. How did I miss this yes, detail? Yes, she was a, she was a freshman when I was a senior. Now you know how old both of us are. Um, wow. Yeah, and so David Justice, of course, hit the, the World Series um, winning home run in Game 6 in 1995. And I um, will never forgive him. And then, of course, he got traded. Well, he got signed with Cleveland after that, which is all very weird. But the important thing is... The Cleveland team lost the World Series to the Atlanta team in 1995, and I have not yet recovered. Although now I, because my only choices mm-hmm. are Atlanta and Houston, I am trying to let go of the grudge part and just focus on the guys. You, you are a big person, but in the absolutely, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm, t- I'm taking more walks, trying to be less no, of a big that, person. That, that kind of like, I mean, <laughs> quality wise. Thank you, character thank you. wise. But I'm still scared of 1995. So happy Halloween, everybody! Even though you're hearing this two days later. Uh, my big question is: Did he get traded? by Halle Berry. Um, yeah, that was bad. That that oh. ended badly. That ended very badly several years later. I am, wow. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. then the, you got a little bit of justice there. Ah, justice. <laughs> I see what you did there. So, I see what you did there. I, I've got to say, I'm a little terrified to record right now because as, as Patty just said, it's Halloween, which means we're recording in the afternoon before game five. No. Yes. yes. Five. Yes. And and I'm trying to do the math. I really am. Atlanta could win it all tonight, is all I know. Or not. So or not. we don't know. And you guys are going to listen maybe on Tuesday before game six or no game six. Right. And you're going to say, we know. What, what the hell are you people talking about? Right. So I'm hoping that there will be a baseball game tonight after you hear this because we drop on Tuesday. And that would be the ideal thing because, of course, one, I'm the one pulling for the Houston uh, Trash Tros. And two... Because more baseball, just more baseball. And actually, even though I'm the one who predicted um, Atlanta in six and you predicted in seven, I am secretly, well, I'm always hoping for a game seven, but especially now because my work days got switched this week, so I would not be able to watch game six, and I would be able to watch game seven. On the bright side, you can watch game five, so maybe the hammers will just throw the hammer down tonight, and then, you know, you'll be done. (sighs) Okay, enough of that. Sorry. It is sad. But the one good thing about this time of year, actually, there's many good things. I love the the fall, the foliage. Halloween is kind of fun. But following social media nowadays, because we were talking about the 1995 thing, there's so many on this day happiness, and there's the cat chiming in. In a very scary way. You've got a Halloween cat. The cat is frightening. I'm just saying. You hear this? So I just just wanted to give, as the, the cat is acknowledging, a small shout out to everybody who is celebrating happy memories around this time because there are lots out there and then there's those like Patty mentioning the, the painful ones and I'm I'm very sorry about that. So I have a good one to mention about um the Nationals winning the World mm. Series um which was uh you know 2 years ago yesterday. That was fun. As it turned that was fun. So my kid just forwarded me this text uh, this Twitter thread. I've never read tweets on the show before and I'm a little embarrassed, but it's a good story. 
written by Aaron Dolan, who we know as just ah. a goddess. You may know as wife of um, of um, Sean, um, the patron saint of Sean Dolan, the patron saint of our podcast. Yeah. Um, Aaron says the following. My favorite World Series memory two years and one day ago, the Nationals won the World Series. The team, coaches, staff and families all stayed up late celebrating. The next morning, October 31st, the team and families were set to fly from Houston back home to D.C. with a trophy. But it was Halloween. Many players, coaches, staff had their families with them, including their young children. Uh. All the kids showed up to the flight in costumes, but we wouldn't <laughs> land in time for them to get home and go trick-or-treating. Oh. 20 minutes into the flight, I'm going to add Potty Mouth's boyfriend, and then back to Aaron, Juan Soto, got out of his seat with several bags of candy and gave each of us a handful. Then he went to the kids, gave them bags, and told them to go trick-or-treating on the flight. So oh. they went row by row, and we each gave them a piece of candy. This problem seems small and silly. Those kids were super lucky to begin with. They just watched their team win the World Series. They were on the team plane. And then the team superstar found a way for them to trick-or-treat. Juan Soto is just the coolest. So that's a pretty good on this day. What do you think? And is a super pretty cool Juan Soto rocks the world. Like, is there anything right? that this boy can't do? There is not. There is not. But anyway, anyway, back to our regularly scheduled oh, right. Halloween episode. On today's show, we've got the Players' Choice Awards, Boyfriend Heavy, In Defense of Dusty, Those Hammer Guys, That Altuve Guy, Chopping the Chop, The Police Blotter, Some Really Sad News, Some Interesting front office news and international baseball. Woohoo. Woohoo. All right. So the Players' Choice Awards. So when we put our notes together, usually Potty Mouth's the one who, um, if there's awards to be talked about, usually adds those to the notes and I just follow along. And this time, Potty Mouth didn't. And then I opened up the Players' Choice Awards <laughs> and I figured out why. Potty Mouth, you want to say why? Yeah, because your guys won them all. At least I can give the little insert. Well, first, why I'm, I'm keen on awards is I'm a teacher and I'm kind of used to like, the awards are the incentive people. So <laughs> like we get these awards and then we've chosen these guys patty and i in the off season are baseball boyfriends and then we follow through with them we each get one guy per team because they're cool beyond the field and we can't we gotta change guys every year except for one so then we kind of keep track and see how these guys do and i noticed like I, I saw one award i was like oh that's a patty guy and then i noticed a pattern and maybe you can explain the pattern better than i can yeah i'm just gonna tell you the winners um that are are <laughs> Our no crying in baseball boyfriends, um, and by that I mean mine. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> player of the year and outstanding American League player is my former Angels boyfriend Shohei Otani. The Marvin Miller Man of the Year. Okay, so these these are player voted awards. I'm sorry, so these cool. were voted by the players. This is like the um, the MLBPA, the Players Association, the union. The players union votes for these. So these are your the peers of these players voting. Um, one of the awards is called the Marvin Miller Man of the Year Award, which is the player that shows leadership and inspires others to greatness. And that would be my current boyfriend, Marcus Simeon. Mm. The National League comeback player is Buster Posey, my original, I believe, Giants boyfriend. And, and, and the American League outstanding rookie, Baltimore Oriole, Ryan Mountcastle. And you should actually get extra points for him because you talked about him when he was a complete unknown and to get doing this well for rookie. And we'll see what happens with the rookie of the year. But he's looking really good. And to be fair, he wasn't a complete unknown to me. Right, that's but it. <laughs> that, but but that's, part of the, that's a part of why you're so cool. Because he was uh, not. And the rest of the world, he was. And Lord Mount Council is... Um, <laughs> 
as now. That just seems a little demeaning. I don't know. Isn't I it funny that I, th- I hear somebody being called a lord and I think that's demeaning? It's, I, it's no, that's like the opposite. That's yeah, opposite day. Yeah, yeah. This I, raspberry sour is really it good. It is really good. After, after the tangerine one, we are just doing brunch NCIB style today. I do have a cool guy to talk about. So last week, I was maybe three sheets to the wind. Is that the phrase? Yeah, was, two and three quarters. I was so many. I had so many sheets going on last week. And today, it's just a couple of sours. So it's it's a little bit of a light so she day. was talking sheet. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I always talk sheet. Yeah. So I started saying that I wanted, I was, you know, mainly supporting the Astros. Astros? Astros. Trashtros. Trashtros. Yeah. I, I mean, really, folks, I don't like this team, but, you know, we're, we're dealing with like degrees of lesser of two evils at this point. And I started looking into Dusty Baker a little bit more closely last week. And we've adored Dusty for years, and especially when he was with the Nationals. And we were actually very heartbroken we left. Um, Adore Davy Martinez, but did not really approve of their decision to get rid of Dusty at the time. Correct. And, and so I'm super glad that he landed on his feet. And looking back at his incredibly storied career, I would love to see him just get one more notch in that cap. So he has been to the World Series before, and it was in 2002 with the Giants, and they lost. And there's only one manager who's gone longer between his World Series appearances, and this is Bucky Harris in the famous 25 Senators and the 47 Yankees. That was uh, Sarah Langs on Twitter who got that one. Um, Notably... Dusty was also in the World Series three times as a player. So a lot of people, you know, noticing his storied manager career, forget that he was also a longtime amazing player and did win one World Series as a player. He's he's getting up there. He's 72 years and 133 days old, which makes him actually the second oldest manager to go to the World Series. Jack McKeon? was 72 years, 329 days old with Uh. the 0-3 Marlins, and they won. So Dusty's got to, I mean, he's still, like, he's got to win to be the second oldest manager to win still. But he did hit first with something. He has been with a bunch of teams. And he took five different teams to the postseason. Houston, D.C., Giants, Cubs, and the Reds. And this is what sort of kills me about, like, the world of baseball is that with all, I mean, managing five teams, he took them all to the postseason. So he was good with all of them, but he got canned for all of them because the drop afterwards, you know, that postseason hangover, mm-hmm. and then he's out. So that's just kind of how how baseball, baseball works. Um, also, talking about old guys... In the, in the divisional series, when he was playing against the White Sox, he and uh, good old Larusa had faced each other as managers over two hundred times. Jeez, so which is crazy. They are and older they had, than dirt. Yeah, they're totally, totally. But of course, you know, happy that Dusty got that one. He has managed the most baseball games without getting a World Series title. So that's a shitty statistic to be stuck on him. And just a reminder, Pat, Patty, many eps ago, and I should have looked at which one, told the wonderful story of the first high five with Glenn Burke, and Glenn Burke getting all their credit for it, but that Dusty Baker was the other five. It's actually the other that. way around. Dusty oh. Baker gets all the credit for oh, it, and it? Glenn Burke gets very little credit for it. Glenn Burke was the other end of that, yeah. 
Oh, this is how closely I listen when we're recording, folks. Yeah, I, no, I, but I, I always see Glenn Burke says as maybe just because he's getting more press these he days. He is now because fine. people are making yeah. up for a horrible omission in that Glenn Burke was a pretty important guy. Yeah, yeah. As as is Dusty. So Dusty started playing in Atlanta. Which is, you know, this is sort of like it's cosmic. It's the loop has come around and now he's managing against Atlanta in 1967 when I was but a sparkle in my parents' eye. And he played for 19 years. So why I also love Dusty is his extracurricular activities. He has a winery. Did you know this? I did. That I, you know so much. I do. I was so excited to learn about yeah. Baker Family Wines yeah. and that he actually prunes his own yeah, he does. vines. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. And that he owns a solar energy company. Didn't know that one. That's pretty cool. So Northern California Solar Energy Company, Baker Energy Company. But the book that I am about to order from Amazon is you mean your local independent bookstore? Right, right. Scratch that. Patty is totally right. I am not going to order this from Amazon. I'm going to find this in some independent <laughs> bookstore. I just looked it up on Amazon, so that's why it was at the top of my head. But she's absolutely right. Go support independent books, people. Anyway, he wrote a book. He's written two books, actually. He was a co-author in one book that has to do with uh, batting strategy, I think. There's the cat again correcting me. But the first <laughs> book is called Kiss the Sky. My Weekend in Monterey for the Greatest Rock Concert Ever, Music That Changed My Life 1. This is a baseball book I can totally see you reading cover to cover I, without any encouragement from me or your dad. I am so excited. But the, what, what's a little bit of, of a fool fooling me is that it's, it says one, which means I feel like there should be a two. So yeah, he got four and a half stars on this for, from Amazon. So that's where the Amazon note comes in. His parents gave him good parenting, two tickets to the Monterey Pop Festival for his 18th birthday and use of the family station wagon. I hear that's how you get girls. I think, yeah, at the Monterey Pop Festival. Meanwhile, so apparently he had like the time of his life and and got to know some of the musicians like B.B. King and had relationships with them for years after. So I'm dying to read this book. And according to Richard Justice, who's uh, one of the writers for MLB, that he actually smoked a joint with Jimi Hendrix in San Francisco. So now he just has my undying admiration as if he did, didn't before. He um, isn't contracted for next year. So who knows what's going to happen next year? And the last thing is sort of like, a, especially with the end looming over us tonight, a big Maybe. whelp, a big whelp. Like if he doesn't get this last little notch, it, it's he has a lot of amazing accomplishments and you know notably that book aforementioned <laughs> and there are a lot of amazing players and managers out there who have fabulous careers and don't even make it to the world series like look at mike trout or shohei otani so far so anyway that's that's my i admire dusty and even though the trash tros are cheese that infield pisses me off I just would love to see Dusty have a happy. I too, for the for the record, I would absolutely yeah. love to see Dusty have a happy, but I don't want it to be to come with rewarding the entire trash tros infield when the players on the hammers are such good dudes. They're good dudes. They're they such good, good dudes. dudes. So um so those hammers guys, I've read a bunch of so I've been reading a bunch all this week when everybody when people review the games, mm -hmm. win or lose, and all of the 
the adjectives used to describe the players yeah. on the Atlanta team are things like fun and joyful. They sound like little leaguers when they're talking to each other in the dugout. They're having a good time. Um, their manager, um, Snicker, says, the team that just plays with a with emotion and enjoys what they're doing in the postseason, they're really dangerous. And your boyfriend, uh, former boyfriend, Dansby Swanson, says, we have a group of guys that really cares about one another, that loves on one another. Aww. And so that they're, they are such a team. And that's kind of part of our boyfriend yeah. category, are guys who really love to play the game. And you can see that when you watch this team play, that they are happy to be playing this game. They love this game. And they're doing everything they can to win it because it's a joy. It's a joy for them. It's not because they feel like they're supposed to win. And they weren't supposed to win. So the fact that they got this far so far, I, I have no qualms about saying, I don't know what's going to happen tonight or the next couple right. of games. I don't. Stuff happens. But so far, they've been playing with heart. And I really, really like that. Um, for instance, um, Charlie Morton. Uh, oh, my God. We love Charlie Morton. He came out in the game that he started an inning after he broke his freaking leg and pitched another out because another, another batter because the the bullpen wasn't ready. And he's like, I can do it. I hope he's okay for that. I always feel so mixed about stuff like that because we really like, you know, admire guys who like grit through it and yep. play through injury. But I'm always like, you know, it's worth yes. fucking you up. Like if this if this playing through that broken leg hurts him for a long period exactly. of time, you're I exactly not right. Be happy about it. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Um the the Ian Anderson game. Mm-hmm. Uh, your guy that you picked from Rookie of the Year, Ian Anderson. Oh, my God. His, he took a no-no into the fifth. Um, Dusty referred to him as pitching effectively wild. Wow. Which was great. Which, I mean, as soon as they, they came, the Snicker came to take him off, I texted you and our West Coast correspondent immediately and said, what the hell? He's got a no-hitter yeah. going. But then I, you know, I thought about it and I saw how he had been pitching. And he was on the edge the whole time, and you knew he wasn't going to get much farther. So hmm. it turned out being the right thing to do in retrospect and with logic. But my heart was like, oh, let him go, even though yeah. he was already at like 70-something, in, in the, and he was never going to get all the way through. But oh, my God, he was so much freaking fun to watch. He has the lowest ERA in his eight postseason starts. He's still a rookie, by the way. After um, El Duque, Orlando Hernandez, who um, at 1.26 ERA. And that's, that's the thing. He's a rookie. He's a he's rookie. A rookie. I mean, we saw him last year because remember last year the rules were a little bit different for who gets to still be a rookie this year. Mm -hmm. So he played a little bit last year, but that's not that uncommon. Um, So there's all of that going on. And you've got um, our, our remaining Austin in the playoffs. Austin Riley, who's, he's been amazing. His bat's amazing, but also he plays third base. Mm-hmm. But in the same game, he caught a fly ball in fall territory, not only in you know where where he like in right field, but also short left. As a third baseman, because they're crazy shifts and his like undying need to like, I got to win. We got to win. I got to do this for my team. And how cool is that, right? The sexy defense all around your guy, Ozzy Albies, Albies throwing to Freddie Freeman, who's like stretching to unbelievable lengths to make a play. Yeah. Um, like, and like Eddie Rosario, your former boyfriend, making these ma- a magical catch in the outfield to like to rob that, that Altuve homer. He doesn't even know how he did it. 
there is some kind of weird magic thing going on because these guys like, are, are all in it together. Yeah. It's like there's not like the standout guy. There's like guys are taking turns being the standout guy. They're handing off to each other and they're all in it together. And I really, really love that. And I'm actually physically clutching my pearls right now. That's, <laughs> you I are. Am so, I'm a witness. I am actually clutching my pearls. And okay, so I, I have learned that I have a weird number of pearls or like pearl necklaces. I don't know how I ended up with this many sets of pearls <laughs> in my life. Um, and most of them are fakish, but these actually have knots between each pearl. And as I believe I said on this podcast, yes, this yes, is how you, you know quality pearls. So I think these might actually be real from my grandmother. But anyhow, Jack's pearls, the real ones with the knots in between, broke in game three, which is a game he didn't even play in. So I'm still waiting to figure what out was he doing? how did they break? Was it in the celebration afterwards? I don't know. But anyway, remember that we talked about his jeweler and having backups? I thought they were just going to like FedEx the pearls. Oh, no, his jeweler got on a plane to bring him one of the backup sets of pearls for game four must be nice to have money to burn but oh my (laughs) god oh my god to see like all these people wearing pearls and it just it's fun and great and i just like having a good time so i'm slowly letting go of the horror that is 1995 i mean it's got a special place in the fear portion of my brain but um i think i'm gonna be okay with these guys because these guys are different guys are different guys i'm impressed and and i'm impressed that they pulled off the win last night (laughs) and i so of course this is you know we're recording before game five so we're talking about game four where the astros were ahead two to nothing for most of the game and the the atlanta team had pulled patched together a bullpen and I felt super sad for the opener, who is this poor dude, Dylan Lee, who has barely been up from AAA, had never pitched in a postseason game before, had barely pitched in the big leagues, and they're putting him in to open. And so I said something a little bit negative about Snickers' move there. I just felt like this was like a sacrificial lamb. And I understand they had somebody warming up immediately, and I think there's some record about him not making it out of part of the first inning um, as a as an opener but he he didn't even know until right before the game that he was going to start and I just felt so bad for that situation but then for them to pull it back together was so the reason they didn't tell him ahead of time <laughs> according to you know the words out there in the mm-hmm. world was that they didn't want him to dwell on it for too long and they didn't want like his phone to light up with everybody saying oh my god oh my god they didn't yeah. want him to freak out ahead of time so hmm. you know it could have worked it didn't work it, it they ended up winning he's okay did you see everybody clap for him when he yeah. left yeah. i mean he got all, like, the fans the dugout everybody clapped for him it's like holy crap kid right. you stuck this out that's pretty amazing. And so next time he's going to be all right. Yeah. Well, and the dude who came in after him didn't have a hell of a lot more experience, right? And he was amazing. He was, in so fact, amazing. You never know, I guess, is the moral of the story. Yeah. You never know. And I'm still clutching my pearls. But, that, but what you said a minute ago reminded me that I actually, because I have so many weird strings of fake and less fake <laughs> pearls, I switched pearls halfway through the game. <laughs> when so you did it. <laughs> yeah. When when Jack Peterson walked, I was like, that's not enough. So I took off the seed pearls and I put on the grandma knotted between each strand pearls. And after that is when they kicked in. So I, I don't know how that algorithm fits in how, the pearls I was wearing earlier. But now I feel like I need to wear these tonight. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it- rituals are hard when you juggle too many pieces. 
Well, and it also depends. I mean, if you want them to win tonight or if you want more baseball, it's a hard it's a hard decision. Nope, it's not. <laughs> I, I, I think it is. I, I really would like I know, to see more baseball. And I'd like to see a game in Houston. But before we go there, I just <laughs> yeah. want to mention one, like, just thing. And it's not my favorite Houston player. But Jose Altuve last night got a home run. And when he got that home run... He tied, so there's two things that happened with that home run. Actually, probably more than that, but I'm going to talk about two. One is he tied with Kike Hernandez and Rafael Devers for the most postseason home runs this season, which is five. Now, note that Kike Hernandez and Rafael Devers stopped playing a few games ago. Yeah. And Altuve, so somebody who, he's the only one in this World Series who has finally got up to five to match those two dudes. He's now also second all-time in postseason home runs to Manny B and Manny Ramirez. And so Altuve is up to 22. Manny had 29. So we'll see how much more Altuve's seasons in postseason go and if he is able to to beat Manny Ramirez. But I don't know. Uh, at four, by the way, is also Chris Taylor from L.A., so also somebody who hasn't been playing for a bit, and Kyle Tucker from Houston. So we have to get to three until we get to the um, Atlanta guys, which is Freddie, Jock, and Eddie. But I think this this speaks to what you were saying before about them being a team. So there's not that one guy who's getting all the runs, that mm-hmm. they're all making it work together. And there's a bunch of them who have or up three is a pretty good number, and then there's more at two who have multiple home runs, but they're sharing the wealth a little bit more. They are sharing the wealth, and two of those three guys that you mentioned weren't even on the team until the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. They were not part of that original um, outfield, which is completely gone for a variety of reasons, Um, and, um, and these guys have all stepped up. Yeah, that's a whole other fucking story that we haven't even mentioned is Ronald Acuna, who's your former dude, not playing like an amazing player and not part of this so not part of this kind of sad i know i know and you did say it would be nice to see a game in houston and i agree with that because of the fucking shop um so we have a couple of updates to last week's 437 point plan to chop the chop none of which are being followed they Um, should listen to you they should listen to us because we have a plan so okay the first thing is the first um game at Truist Park in Atlanta was there was a ceremony for Hank Aaron, which of course there was going to be a ceremony for Hank Aaron. Um, wouldn't that have been a great time to say? And in the in in honor of Hammer and Hank Aaron, we are t- today announcing a name change to the Atlanta Hammers. I really don't know why they don't hire you for their PR for their PR makeover. They really yeah. please hire Patty for your PR makeover. Anybody who has any connections in Atlanta, like how great would that have been? Yeah, how great. So um, last week also, I talked about how TBS started to tone down their coverage of fans shopping and things like that. And I said, I wonder what Fox is going to do. <laughs> well, the answer is they're going to they're going to celebrate. They're yeah. going to celebrate the chop. Um, Joe Buck has said, hey, they're chanting cheater to Altuve or Correa. So they're they're acknowledging the fans and what the fans are doing at some points. But they never say, hey, the fans are doing that horrible racist war chant right now and doing that terrible time. They don't say that. They're not saying that at all. And there is absolutely... at the beginning of the first game, I texted Potty Mouth with excitement because there was a very clear shot of um, Luis Garcia with people chopping behind him, and they very obviously focused on him and blurred the background immediately. And I thought, oh, my God, they're going to do it. They're going to block the chop. And that was the only time they ever did it. Well, I think it was just because he has such great hair. 
and <laughs> that that cool salsa step. I mean, you want your focus on Luis Garcia. But yeah, so but clearly they had the technology to make it happen, and clearly yeah. they could mute if they wanted to, and they didn't. So that's their their uh, Fox is taking an active stance to you know, it's Fox, it's Fox. Yeah. Um, so you may have noted in the in a, the second game, I think it was the second game in Houston, there was a fan that was holding up a the chop is racist sign. Um, that would be Jim Squires, who is a candidate for Congress. Oh, really? He was kicked out of the game in Houston for holding up a sign that says the chop is racist. What the heck for? What oh did he do? Signs are not illegal. In fact, he got in it in Houston. the park. In the park, he smuggled it underneath a pro-Houston sign. Clever. And it wasn't even an anti-Houston sign. He wasn't talking about his team. He was saying the chop is racist. And, you know, it is. And he was thrown out. He wasn't doing anything else he wasn't say yelling racially insensitive things to the players which you know we hear none of that but he got kicked out it's crazy it's yeah. totally crazy and i just sort of i mean it's a weird combination that we have here with texas and atlanta because i'm sure that you know probably a good amount of texas supporters are not say offended by the chop I was surprised, though, to read that Bob Nightingale is. He is not a... a aces. He's not aces. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not a progressive dude in, in many ways. He's a USA... I mean, he's, he's active on Twitter. He's been writing about baseball for a damn long time. He's got a column in USA Today. He came out saying that he's not using the Atlanta team's name. And in the beginning, they actually corrected his copy... So they would put it in after it got through him, <gasps> through him, and he. So did he say the Atlanta baseball team? Yeah, stuff like that, uh -huh. or just Atlanta. You know, kind of like the way we do, just like let it go by. And sometimes they would just put it in because he hadn't said he was doing it on purpose in the oh. beginning. And then he finally said, "No, folks, don't put it in." And USA Today is okay with it. Um, Manfred, however, is doubling down. Which is, is super shitty because at the end of last year, it looked like there was some progress. You know, they took away the foam tomahawks and they said, Atlanta said that they were going to do moves to cut down on it. But now, here's what Ramford's saying because I guess this, things are going well. He said, I think it's important to understand that we have 30 markets in the country. Read. Some of them are racist. Not all are the same. <laughs> we need to sell tickets to those racist people. Right. <laughs> The B word have done a phenomenal job with the Native American community, clearly. The Native American community, and here's the key, key part. He said, in that region is fully supportive of the Braves program, including the CHOP. In that region. So he's clearly acknowledging that there's division. There are Native American communities that are not in support of it. And, you know, it also sounds like we've asked everybody in that group, mm -hmm. and they've all said, oh, it's fine. Everybody right. has said that's fine. He also said we don't market ourselves on a nationwide basis, which is crap. <laughs> what? It's crap. It's yes, America's fucking pastime. It's all about MLB. Right. It's, it's is, in fact, you know, marketed on a nationwide basis. Maybe the Atlanta team isn't trying to sell tickets to people outside of suburban white Atlanta. Right. But, 
you know, MLB sure is. And and now it's just under, it's such a spotlight because it's the World Series. Yeah. So everybody is seeing this trash. This was such an opportunity, man. It's totally crazy. And, and then, you know, you got to go back to when the Atlanta team started stepping things back in 2019 when Ryan Hel- Helsley, the Cards reliever, who's Cherokee, witnessed this from the mound and all of a sudden they were like oh wait he's upset so we're gonna take out the tomahawks for the next game but as soon as the native american guy is not in the stadium anymore it's okay really maybe when they sell tickets they should have a checkbox please you know check if you are of native american descent and we will refrain from doing the chop for this and only this game super gross oh my god not happy and you know what the fan base i like an enthusiastic fan base how cool is it when eddie rosario and then freddie freeman get up and everyone's yelling eddie eddie and then freddie freddie i mean they're good with the rhymes but but they're all doing it and that's great like i almost wonder are any of the players like God damn it, I'm trying to focus here and they're doing that horrible thing that all I can think about is how horrible this is. Like, say, when the bases are loaded and I strike out, um, you know, I wonder if that's one of the points that I didn't make in my 437 thing was maybe players need to say, hey, you know what? It messes yeah. with us. We don't like it. Yeah. Well, and, and then I need to go back. I've been meaning to look at, like, have players who chops among the players because Mr. Potty Mouth told me that he saw players chopping at some point but I was not a witness oh, so I can't I, I don't have any that. I don't have any like actual cold hard fa- facts about that Let's so break I my would, heart some more that would that would suck that yeah, would totally that suck that would totally suck yep so I, I don't know I don't know there you know so there was somebody else chopping in the, in the stadium last night and that is our former president who's I'm gonna try really hard to not name his actual name because I'm just so pissed that he was even fucking there he is the president that you could easily picture chopping. Yes. Although he chopped badly. <laughs> and frankly, a video of him chopping should be all you need to know that it's wrong to do the chop. Right. That should be it. Like, you don't need 437 points. You need just that one. This yep. guy chops. Yep. Him and his wife. And he lied his way in by saying that he was invited by Manfred and Randy Levine of the New York Yankees. So, like, why would a Yankees honcho invite him to a World Series game in Atlanta. So that makes no sense right there. So he wouldn't be tarnished as inviting him to his own team. <laughs> That's, yeah, because he would be booed in New York. Right? Right? So, like, I think that he went to this game in hopes that between Atlanta and Houston, like, this is his base, right? I, I'm so sorry to all you people who are fans of Houston and Atlanta and you're good people. And I know there are really good listeners that you're – I mean, and – that's dangerously close it. to there's really good people on both sides. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. But I know we have some wonderful listeners who are Atlanta and Houston fans. And you guys are great. And we're saying there are some great things about your teams. But you you got to know that a lot of the base here are definitely people who would be supporting this former president. Who I just don't, you know, I, yuck. Just yuck. Uh, so he said that he was invited. MLB came out. And I, I denied is sort of the reporting word. They, I think they, they tried to be political about it. And they said that he requested to attend the game. And, they, and they, the Atlanta CEO, Terry McGurk, said uh, that he surprised MLB by calling and telling him that he wanted to come to the game. He said, we're apolitical. It's great if he wants to come. Yeah, he's invited like everybody else. Can't he just but- buy a freaking ticket? <laughs> no, he got a very nice suite. 
he did get a very nice suite. So notably, he also was supposed to be boycotting baseball this season because after oh, right. after uh, the All-Star game was moved out of Atlanta because of Atlanta, of Georgia horrible voting laws and MLB did the right thing in that moment and moved the game from Atlanta to Colorado. Then that at that time, the president said, boycott baseball. But I guess because the game is happening in Atlanta, he felt Although, okay. You know, isn't go. he still past, pissed at Georgia because Georgia didn't cave to his requests to, you know, fix the election? Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is why it's, they're so, it's so confusing. Yeah. What the hell, dude? The, the one good thing is that the broadcast, at least from what I saw, I don't know if there's anything you noticed that I didn't. It looked like it was just like a split second shot of him. I just saw the one shot. They, that it was very quick. They Joe Buck said, look, he's here. And that was pretty much it. According to the reports I saw, he was not on the big screen, the, the oh. screen at the ballpark. So that's a good thing. And the one part where I just kind of like steeled myself like, oh, fuck, they're going to show him now was during the stand for cancer thing, because that was very solemn. And they definitely focused on lots of notables, both on the teams and in the crowd. And they did not show him, although Mr. Potty Mouse said he probably left by then. Oh, he probably did. He probably <laughs> yes. did. He just needed, OK, you got that shot of me chopping? Right. Great. I'm out because mm-hmm. I don't like baseball because, you know, I'm bored. Yeah. So I'm, I'm bored. Just fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Okay, so more police blotter. Um, we're going to ask PETA. Well, I'm going to ask PETA. I don't want to speak for you because you may have more feelings for PETA I, than I, I do. I have very mixed feelings about okay. PETA. So I want PETA to use their powers for good because yes. they suggested something that is a freaking distraction from the fucking chop, the racism, and the cheating. Right. Which, you know, maybe why they timed it. Who knows? Maybe they're getting some funding from somebody. Said, hey, we need a distraction. <laughs> Say something dumb. So what they said was, hey, hey, um, MLB, we want you to use the phrase arm barn instead of bullpen because the word bullpen quote mocks the misery of animals and devalues players huh yeah do you know any players that are devalued by bullpen i have you know and okay so PETA is picking one definition of bullpen yeah that's the thing they are picking one definition of bullpen which is you know pretty bad for the bulls right it's pretty bad for the cows they're not they're ignoring the several other definitions and origins of bullpen which are not in fact related to misery of animals and also you know we also refer to the bullpen as the group of relievers so what are we going to say you know atlanta has a great uh, the guys are a great arm barn like you know <laughs> matzek and barn. like and jackson and and you know nah. smith are like no they're not they're not so if you want a little joy out of all this ridiculousness um grant um, brisby who's a good follow on twitter for sure a big giants guy um wrote a song about the arm barn um and really it's hilarious and okay. if you listen to it we'll link to it if you listen to it you won't be able to get it out of your brain it's an instant earworm but it's very very lovely um Tampa Bay has suggested, well, maybe we can just use the phrase Ray Tank. But you just know Peter's going to come back and say, oh, it's not good for the Rays. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're keeping the Rays like tied in. So that's not even going to work. Um, one of the um, possible uh, origins of um, of the bullpen is that Bull Durham Tobacco used to be have a sign on all the outfield walls, basically all the outfield fences in all of baseball. And that's near where the guys 
would warm up. And so that is one of the possible reasons it's called the bullpen. I like that. Yeah, uh, see, see, we can go, even yeah. though we're not fans of tobacco either, but you I'm know, but a it's fan still of a- Bull Durham, though. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, one more thing about PETA, uh, maybe not thinking through their suggestions. <laughs> um, in August, and I don't know how we missed this in August, but PETA suggested to the Cleveland team, who had just announced that we're going to become the Guardians, that one of the things they do in the change over is add a vegan hot dog to their hot dog race. But here's the thing: in the hot dog, the, the hot dogs are made out of foam. Right? They're they're already vegan. They're already <laughs> vegan. Like why? Thank you. They, it looks like a. Like, it's a condiment thing. There's right. the ketchup one and the mustard one and the relish one. Pick one, Peta, and say that one's the vegan one. Go ahead. Right? It it's could fine. be. They're, they're all vegan. They're, they're all foam. vegan. They're they're, foam. they're made out of. That's hysterical. Foam. They're already. And but um, as a Clevelander, I'm happy to tell my vegetarian friend Potty Mouth that Peta has noted that the Progressive Field, where the Guardians play, is already one of the most vegan-friendly ballparks. I very much appreciate that because yeah. we've had the Nats this year. They had a hard time with making their vegan stuff. Is just available, was it. it wasn't right? around as much right? as it used to be. So yeah, and I, you know, as as a vegetarian had, who has been close to vegan at times, and and a kid who went vegan probably because of reading a pita book in the library when they were like in seventh grade or something like that. There are good things that pita does, but pita's also done a lot of really whack shit. So I am I'm not a big pita fan, definitely not. But and this I you know open i'm okay with that yeah so um more on the guardians um the guardians roller derby team which has existed (laughs) in cleveland since 2013 took the cleveland baseball team to court this past week for trademark infringement they said hey we've had this team name and um you can't have it even though apparently in june cleveland reached out to the team um but made a crappy little nominal offer and if i were that roller derby team i would see big honking dollar signs right. and i would take him to court too um and uh, there a trademark attorney has said a judge would have to determine whether the guardian's name will cause confusion for fans who follow both the baseball and the roller derby teams so you know if we think that fans can't keep it straight who we're talking about when we're talking about say the Yikes. home game against the red Sox, for instance versus our bout with the, you know, Akron Slammers or whatever. I'm making that up. Um, Yeah, so I think, you know, it's going to end up in some settlement with a lot of zeros attached to it. So I don't blame the roller derby team. Not at all. At all. But, you know, it's not really going to get past writing a check. Yeah, I I think that that's important, though, because roller derbies, like, run on very slim, tight budgets. This will set them up for years, for sure. So I think that they at least deserve that. There was one article, and I was looking for the quote, where it was sort of like, you know, a simple Google search at the beginning would have, like, done wonders. See, I think they probably did Did that that. simple. And then thought. But I think they, oh, yeah, I think they made a bad assumption about that. I'm sure they were aware of it, and they made a a bad assumption, like, oh, well, wait a minute, check, they'll be fine, That, that cute little team. Yeah. And that cute little team's got some brains and some lawyers, so... I, all right, yep. power, power to the roller derby folks. For for those of you, I don't know if I've said this on the on the on the show before, but I actually did roller derby boot camp once upon a time, not too long ago, and barely survived. I really wanted to be one of the DC roller girls, but it was it was not to be because I did get injured at the end of boot camp. But it was fun while it lasted. And I deeply want to tell you, tell everyone the name that I gave yes. Potty Mouth. <laughs> I gave Potty Mouth a roller derby name, but I can't use it on the air because it'll blow your cover, but it's a damn good one. It was a perfect name. You did really well. I am so sorry about that. 
So actually, you know, we will tell you if you come to D.C. and buy us a drink. Yes. Because that's our that's our pattern now. If, it is. If, if our friends on Twitter, you know, come visit us, you, you get to meet Potty Mouth without a mask on. Well, with a mask on sometimes, but you know what I mean. Depends. If we're outside drinking. If we're outside drinking and we're always outside drinking. Oh, wait, right. that sounds bad. <laughs> but we, we will do that with you if, if you come visit us. So, and- if you, yeah, if you want to learn um, Potty Mouth's roller, roller derby, derby name, nickname. come to D.C., let us know you're going to be here, buy us a drink, and we'll tell you. All right, I, I hate this segue because I'm going into immediate oh, sadness. Yeah. So I thought my notes for today were done, and then I just did a quick Twitter look this morning and found out that Jerry Remy died. Uh, I think it was this morning or last night, and this this hurts. It just really hurts as a red as a lifelong Red Sox fan because he was on the Red Sox during my formative years, and I meant to go back. I have old programs that he was in, but. More, I don't know if it's more importantly, also importantly, he was an amazing member of the broadcast team for Nesson, you know, the home feed. And he's just one of a kind. He's He was born and raised in Massachusetts, so he had a very heavy Boston accent that was endlessly entertaining. And I'm going to throw a couple of links in the show notes because you've just got to get some of the feel of what he sound like. And I'm just, I'm choked up. I'm totally choked up. He was 68 years old. Not that old. He had succumbed to his seventh bout of lung cancer. Oh, Jesus. So this was sort of like, I I didn't believe that this could happen. I mean, I know that, so, you know, when the the relapse came recently, it was, I've got it written down here somewhere, August 4th. August 4th, he stopped broadcasting to go through treatment again. I was like, all right. Jerry Remy's going through treatment again. You know, it's sort of like the old thing. Everybody sort of, you know, gives in their support and and muscles up. And I, that's, I'm just shocked. I'm just amazed, I guess. And, and there's even a clip that I saw a couple bouts ago where he said he was like a cat with nine lives. And I was like, well, mm. you know, absolutely getting there. And then the more like tear jerking is that he threw out the first pitch at the wild card game at the Re- the Red Sox. Oh, do you at, really? At that just happened. That just happened. He had like the tubes in his nose and the oh, oxygen and stuff. But, you know, they won it. They won it for Jerry. And oh. and that's ugh, it's just it's so heartbreaking um so he was with the red sox in let's see i've got it down here somewhere he started playing in 75 with the angels for three years and then went to the red sox for seven years his first year with the red sox was his biggest year he was an all-star in 78 um his lifetime batting average i believe is 275 i've got it linked here but i'm not going to mess up with my screen right now the fascinating thing about him though his first three years he was a base stealer he was a small ball guy he was a bunter oh I love and this. a base stealer and his it, so with it with the years with the angels i believe that all three years were over 30 stolen bases a season his first Damn. year with the red Sox was for 30 stolen bases including Four stolen bases in one game against his former t- former team, the Angels. Oh wow! That record of four stolen bases in a game stood for thirty years with Damn. the Red Sox, and I didn't look up who broke it, but that would be a good thing. But the the remarkable thing about him is, despite like the decent lifetime average, crazy bunting and stolen bases, home runs total in his career seven. <laughs> Seven. Definitely the small ball guy. Yes. 
And they used to joke about that all the time on the show. And, and he was also an example of like how these former players blow me away with how clearly they remember individual games and individual moments. Isn't that stunning? It, oh, yeah, that game 47 years ago when I played this and I remember that out. And who was pitching and who caught it. So his seven home runs have definitely come up at different <laughs> times. So he retired in the spring of 86. He actually missed all of 85 because of injury and then, you know, saw the writing and retired in 86 and then became a broadcaster in 88 and had been broadcasting from Nesson, for Nesson ever since. Wow. The magic years were him and Don Orsillo, who... Oh, yeah. That, and I just don't, still to this day, don't fucking understand why Nesson did not renew him. And p- bless you Padres fans, you're so lucky to have him. But he and Jerry Remy were just magic together. And then when you threw in Dennis Eckersley in 2003, the three of them together... Just fabulous. So this is a huge loss for broadcasting in general, but especially like, you know, give a hug to your Red Sox friends, b- people, because uh, the Rem Dog, we're not going to hear him next season. And that's that's hard. It's just hard. My condolences. My condolences. I'm going to transition to something else good that just happened to the Padres. Okay. The Padres are the winners in this. The Padres are the winners in this. Um, Bob Melvin, longtime A's manager, managed the A's since 2011, three times manager of the year, is moving to the Padres. Oh. Which is a huge change in a couple of ways. One is recently the Padres have been hanging out with very inexperienced managers, figuring the managers would come up along with the super young guys on the team. And now they have seen the error of that ways. <laughs> and let's like, okay, now we. We need a guy who knows what they're doing, who can bring these guys along, right? Um, so he's also going from the A's with the 10th lowest payroll in Major League Baseball to the Padres with the third highest. So he's Ooh. got money. He's got talent. He's got a little bit of leeway. And he's bringing a lot of respect and experience to this position. So this could be a really good thing for the Padres. The Mets, on the other hand, are looking for maybe a team president, maybe a general manager. You know, titles in the front office in baseball are very fuzzy. Yeah. And they move around a lot. Yeah. They move around a lot. So there were some leaks about um, about um, Stephen Cohen talking to like Theo Epstein and yeah. Billy Bean and others. But for what job and really? And they were saying no, because what the Mets are kind of toxic right now. <laughs> So the thing that I like about a next step, they've got to clean up this mess. They have to clean up this toxic culture that's horrible to women, in addition to horrible in a lot of other ways. They asked the Red Sox for permission to speak to Raquel Ferreira. Oh, I'm sad about that. Raquel Ferreira, um, until Kim Ang took the job with the Marlins, was the highest ranking woman in Major League Baseball. She's the Red Sox executive vice president and their assistant GM. Um, And we don't know if she's going to talk to them. Wow. But she could clean some house there. And it would be a very good political move for the Mets to appoint a woman to a high ranking position because they have been crap. And she could, in fact, clean that the hell up. They're also talking to other assistant GMs out there, including the, um, the general manager for the Twins, and they've got some internal candidates. But I think um, they really need to bring somebody in from outside because internally they are a freaking mess. Um, 
A side note, um, uh, Raquel Ferreira briefly was talked about um, for the Cubs gig before Carter Hawkins was announced as general manager. He was formerly the assistant general manager for the Guardians. So um, it will keep you updated on that because, you know, we always want to watch these things for sure. And we think she's pretty cool. Yeah. And what a loss for the Red Sox. I mean, as a Red Sox fan, this makes me sad. If but it happens. I if it happens. I love good things to happen for her. And that's not going to happen in Red Sox organization in the near future. So power to them. Absolutely power to them. Hey folks, international baseball this week is super exciting. So lead on, the Dominican League has just started. And if you have MLB TV postseason, you can watch lead on. So I, I wait, have, no crazy streaming things to find and hunt and peck for. I was checking out my DR sports because I'd subscribed to them for the past two years to watch lead on. And it was like this page doesn't exist like those weird You've, you've hit the wrong spot thing when you click on it. And I'm going, what's going on? And actually, our friend Marla from from uh, Mansplain Baseball contacted me. How do we watch Lead Om? And I was like, I don't know. I started looking into it through, luckily, Words Above Replacement, of course, the guide to go to. And it's part of the $25 postseason package. So start watching Dominican Ball. You know, you can start now. Actually, shit, the game, uh, right after we stop recording, I am going to check in on the Leones del Escogido game because this is so exciting. I'm going to burst. Albert Pujols is playing baseball now with the, with my team, the team that I picked two years ago, the Leones del Escogido. This just got, just got announced a couple of days ago, and he is debuting today as I speak, so I better shut the fuck up so that I can watch Tio Albert on the Leones del Escogido, and Willie Castro is back. And so I actually picked Leones because of Willie Castro, who had been a former boyfriend of mine. He is back, and also Tio Albert is playing, and... Fernando Rodney huh. is still <laughs> pitching with the Leones del Escogido. The man is 44 years old. He will never stop playing baseball. And notably, I picked this team before I knew that they had some very uh, storied former players, including Rafael Devers and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is a, a boyfriend of mine, former boyfriend, and David Ortiz. And then Jumbo Diaz is one of their current pitchers who's just hysterical. You've got to watch him. He's fabulous. And A-Rod, but I'm going to talk about him. <laughs> so, yeah. So I so I feel like, folks, that, I you know, despite the fact that this team lost yesterday to the championship Aguilas Cibeñas, they hopefully will shape up with, uh, with T.O. Albert. So you've got to brush up a little bit on your Spanish because despite the fact that this is on MLB TV, the games are still being broadcast in Spanish. So I am going to do a community service now and I'm going to teach you a Spanish word of the week for baseball. And this week's word is imparable, which is the word for hit. I love this word because, well, first of all, it's very useful. You want an imparable, but also it literally means unstoppable. So it's a ball that you can't stop. So it's a hit. Imparable. Parar is to stop. So imparable, unstoppable ball. It is a hit. Thank you. That is your Spanish word of the week. Imparable. Imparable. Perfecto. I, can't, I cannot roll. Imparable. 
You'll get okay. it. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, I'll keep practicing. Yeah, and if you want more practice, you can also watch Venezuelan baseball, the Liga Venezolana de Baseball Profesional. My team is the Cardinales de Lara, and I'm going to go by this stat because it's the last one I saw before we started recording. They were the only team that was undefeated in first place. Five game, four, five wins, zero losses. Other teams have played more, but they had a couple of rainouts, but still, they're they're undefeated. Also, women playing in Puerto Rico. The finals Hooray. started today. That's the Liga Baseball Femenino de Puerto Rico. So it's it's kind of interesting. It took me a while to figure out how their finals are working because the top four teams go into the finals and they're elimination games. So there are two games today, and then there's going to be two next week, and then one the following week. And there's four teams who have made it to this final sort of I don't know, elimination tournament. Um, the Lobas de Arecibo, that's the the wolf Wolves, right? So they were 16-2, and two, impressive record going in. The Poetas de Juana Diaz, so the Poets. I don't know, the Wolves kind of sound like they have it over the Poets. But anyway, the Poets went in with a 14-4 and four record. Los Artesanas de las Piedras, who were the champions in 2019, the last time the league played, they were going in with a 9-7 and seven record. And then the last, the last of the four Maceteras de Vega Alta, they're going in with four and ten, which shows you that the last two teams had pretty bad records. So we'll see what happens, but keep keep posted on the the women in Puerto Rico. That last final game will be the 14th of November, and you know that I will keep you posted on that. I am still having an eye on my beloved CPBL because I love those Lions. They're tied with the brothers for first place in the second half. So I'm hoping, I'm praying. They lost this morning, but mm, we'll see what happens. See, I know you were, you were worried about the World Series finishing early because there wouldn't be more baseball. But look at all the baseball. Yeah, There yeah. is a ton of baseball. And we want to remind everybody, we've said it a million times, that MLB is not the only baseball in the world. There's always baseball every time, every part of the year. There's baseball being played somewhere, and we can help you find where that is. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm sad about the World Series just because I want to see these guys play more, too. Yeah. But I know. I'll keep it. And, and Albert Pujols, it's going to be so much fun. It sure so is. Fun. It sure is. So, I mean, apparently you're going to be watching some baseball of all sorts this week. What else is going on this week? Get your taco on Woo! Thursday. Thanks to my boyfriend, my former boyfriend um, on the Atlanta team, Oz. The Albies stole that base. And so that means you get a free taco on November 4th. Uh, Richard Staff on, on Twitter <laughs> put in the note that Ozzy Albies has done more to feed minor leaguers than all teams put together. I'm not quite that's yeah might be hyperbole but, but it's not that spirit, far off not right. that far off um i want to um have a bone to pick about that base going into the the baseball hall of fame that seems a little yeah. extreme that seems a little extreme but thank you ozzy you know i'll be eating tacos on thursday for darn sure um for those of you watching the world series still if it's still going on when you hear this god this is so weird yeah. if you are not enjoying the fox commentary if you have if you rename the commentators bolts and smuck much better like i have just like renaming the atlanta team the hammers it really makes everything go down a lot easier please keep listening to the podcast please go back and listen to some old episodes if you like what you hear tell your friends about us leave us a review or a rating if you have a chance to do that and absolutely find us on social media hang out with us on twitter ncib podcast facebook and instagram no crying in b-ball and until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth.
pardon me while I chug. I mean, sip delicately. Like the lady I am. My mom is so proud. Absolutely.